Hello and welcome to episode three of In My Life, the podcast where a guest selects their best and worst of a chosen, uh, chosen subject, uh, as well as a piece of music that takes them back to one of those said moments. Uh, now, normally I would have Dave Caron by my side, but with Dave otherwise engaged, I've called upon the services of uh, La Liga Connoisseur and uh, my Body in the Box cohort, Gav Haggerty, to gleefully aid me through uh, any of the negativity that we'll have tonight. So, Gav, it's been a while. It has been a while, and I tell you, you know it's been a while since you got your second name wrong. But look, <laughs> no, no worries. <laughs> <laughs> what did I say? Haggerty. Did I? Yeah. Sorry. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. As I said, it's... Uh... <laughs> You've already de- you've already downgraded by having me on, so you may as well throw out a few insults while I'm there. It's because I was just watching Father Ten last night. That's what it was in practice for you. <laughs> well, apologies, Gav. Well, anyway, no need, I, uh, no need to apologise. No need to. No, apologize. no. Well, I didn't really mean it anyway. So let's let's skip that bit. Anyway, our guest tonight is uh, is Ross Bell from the Man on the Post podcast. So uh, welcome along, Ross. And what is your chosen subject for this week's uh, in my life? Um, they're going to revolve around Leeds United. I want to break up some of this Liverpool bias that we've had for the past two podcasts. Yes. Yay! <laughs> I welcome that. I also welcome that. I will be mentioning a certain former Leeds and Liverpool player later on in one of my negatives, but do you want to, should we start with a positive? Yeah, always, always good to get off on a positive note, you know, keep people happy before we delve into our morbid um, fascination of the negative side of life. All right, let's start with... In my opinion, the greatest international tournament of all time. World Cup 94, USA 94. This tournament, oh man, I was 10 years old when this competition started. And I think that was the perfect age for something that of this spectacle. Because obviously in America, everything's bigger in America. From the opening ceremony, from Diana Ross missing that penalty kick, to the goal blowing up, even though she missed. To it finishing with a penalty kick as well, it's... It was just an absolutely perfect tournament. And I think because there was no England there, it was even more enjoyable. As an England fan, I'd say definitely more enjoyable. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Gav? You must have enjoyed it. I loved the 94 World Cup. My my first experience of the World Cup was 1990, where I'd been been brought to all the um, qualifying games. And then to have the World Cup in its glory was brilliant. But qualifying for the 94 World Cup as well, it was just... It's magnificent. I mean, it's an amazing time. And you're talking, as, as as Ross rightly said, back then, you're talking some of the all-time great players were there on the world stage. Mm. Loved it. Absolutely loved the 94 World Cup. The first the first standout moment of that entire tournament for me was Ray Howland's goal against Ireland. Uh, against Italy, sorry. That, I've, I've been watching that. Oh, back the, on, the been watching it back on YouTube. Oh. He's running away from the goal. He's running towards mm. the sideline and somehow... Hits that ball so sweetly. Uh, oh, Pagliuca, was it? Yeah. Oh, one of the world's best keepers at the time just got beaten like that, and that was it. Really strong um, defending from Ireland for the rest of the game to see off that really good Italy team. Well, wasn't that in New York as well? Uh, yeah, New York Stadium, Stadium. Yeah. 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 So there was loads of obviously um, Italian Americans uh, in the crowd as well, yeah. just to really rub it in. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a great tournament because. I remember getting the sticker book and the Panini stickers. I think they were 25p a pack. And my granddad would give me a pound every day and I'd run down to the shop and I'd have so many copies of Alexi Lalas. I didn't know what to do with them. Just couldn't get rid of them. Just that big ginger beardy man. But oh, the, the team, it, it opened my world, my eyes to a world of football that I wasn't really aware of before. Like teams like Saudi Arabia and 
countries like that. But it was really. There was, was that goal by the Saudi Arabian player, wasn't that the one where the tournament where he dribbled past like six players or something? Was that, I think that was their first game, was it against Holland? I think. God, now you now you're asking. <laughs> <laughs> it was either that one or it, Belgium. They won one of the games against. They beat Belgium one 0 It was one of them times. Well, going into it, you know, everyone was skeptical. Oh, it's in America, mm. you know, and they, they kept they kept interviewing uh, people in America as well, you know, <laughs> asking them about soccer. I don't know nothing about soccer, <laughs> and and you're just like, oh no, it's going to be a disaster. You know, the stadiums are going to be empty, but it wasn't. It was it was full. It was the atmosphere was brilliant. Yeah, and and the matches were excellent, and it was just. Uh, I've got to say, th- this was a tournament where I first saw uh, Batistuta, and I was just mm-hmm. bang. It was like it was like love at first sight. Oh, what a player! And Romania knocked them out of the round of sixteen. Georgie Hadji is absolute peak as well in international football. And Romania and Sweden were the two teams for me that, like, oh my god, these I've never really seen these countries play football before. The players they've got, that Darlin and Brolin partnership was supreme. Yeah. And obviously, yeah. Brolin eventually signed for Leeds and wasn't very good, but. It kind of it, it ushered in an era of all these players coming to the Premier League as well. I, I think Brawling got a bit of a taste for hamburgers when he was in America, though, didn't he? <laughs> he was certainly not the fittest man running around Ellen Road, that's for sure. <laughs> Did you say fitter <laughs> or fattest? <laughs> oh, he was definitely the fattest. <laughs> there was um, wasn't that the uh, the tournament as well with uh, Romania, Bulgaria. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, but Romania with uh, Stoichkov. That's Bulgaria. <laughs> was it? Oh, was it Bulgaria? Oh my God! Yeah, <laughs> I get them all muddled up. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then there was um, and Bulgaria. It was the, the ball guy scored for them, didn't they? Uh, um, Lechkov. Lechkov. That. Yeah, That's they it again. They knocked Germany out. Quarterfinals. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Stoichkov, though, what a player he was! Oh my word! Yeah, that was really yeah. weird. The final four in that tournament: Sweden, Bulgaria, Brazil, and Italy. Uh, I mean, that kind of—that's not really going to happen anytime soon again. Uh, two teams of. Sweden and Bulgaria's level appearing in the semi-finals. Was that, was that the one <laughs> as well? Unless, unless England get away. <laughs> no, I, I agree. <laughs> it was, wasn't it where um, Maradona got sent home early as well? Yes. <laughs> for, a, was, for a subtle celebration. <laughs> who should we drug test after this game? Oh no, that man's screaming down the camera at us. <laughs> I tell you another another um, fantastic memory of that World Cup was Jack Charlton and John Aldrich. Absolutely legendary at this stage. The Irish Just... in general during that tournament. I think one game the the heat was so high they had little bags of water that they weren't yeah. really allowed to carry on the pitch, but they were doing it anyway. Yeah, it was a tournament for Ireland. We obviously with the heroics of nineteen ninety, which turned the whole country yeah. around. It really, really did. And then to go into ninety four we I think we, we'd more of an expectation upon us, not from the outside, but from our own community. It's like, Jesus, this is it. You know, we've been at 1990. We, we shocked the world. Mm. Going into 94, um, Ray Houghton, that 1-0 victory. And another performance from that game, which to me is a legendary performance. Paul McGrath put himself amongst the very, very best defenders in the world with that performance. He went through everybody, everybody. Yeah, and we, I think Ireland was just, you know what, <laughs> we could do this because we, we didn't have a great style of football, but the squad we had. When you think back, I mean, player for player, we we could match anybody. But the heat got the the heat killed us. I'm looking at that lineup now from that, that um, Italy game: Packy Waller and goal, Dennis Irwin, Terry Phelan, Paul McGrath, Roy Keane, Andy Townsend, Ray Houghton, John Sheridan, Steve Staunton, Phil Babb, and Tommy Coyne. Oh, great place. Yeah. Absolute great place. The McIntyre and Aldridge off the bench. 
Not bad. Well, Aldrich wasn't bad. <laughs> <laughs> not biting, not biting. <laughs> but that was, that was, that was what, the What about a standout cup. moment from that? Yeah, sorry, what, what about a standout moment from that tournament then? There's a one moment in particular that really sort of grabbed you. Um, I mean, the moment I always think of looking back on it is Baggio missing that, the penalty at Head the end. On. Yeah, it's, it was heartbreaking because I was all for Italy winning that tournament. I'm a massive Italian football fan and I wanted Italy to win. But oh, it was heartbreaking. I remember watching that in my grandparents' front room sitting in front of a proper fire and just like cheering them on and then Baggio missing and just standing there while the Brazilians celebrated around him. Heartbreaking, but what a way to end a tournament. I think it, it's it, tragic for the Italians, but sheer joy for the Brazilians. Yeah, i tell you what I did like about that tournament as well, is the, the way that the goals were constructed. You know, that, that little the little stanchion post sticking out where the, the yeah. nets kind of like just hang from it and were just like hanging loosely. Because I always, I don't know why, it always makes me think of that Daniel, Am- uh, Daniel Amakachi goal where he blasted it mm-hmm. from about 30 yards. And it was just like those nets were, were made for blockbuster shots like that. They yeah. just, it looked awesome. I, I love love a good goal and I love a good net like that. <laughs> I want another World Cup in America. <laughs> I think it would be just as fun. Yeah, none of your tight nets where it hits the back and bounces straight back out. <laughs> you want a nice saggy net at the back so it bulges and looks really, really good. And the keeper have to get caught in the net trying to get the ball out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, me, me and Gav um, don't like to get too carried away on the on the uh, the positive side of things. So indulge us. Uh, what, what's your first piece of negativity? Okay, can I can I swear on this podcast uh, as many times as you like? Remember, Gav is on it. So <laughs> yeah, fuck, <laughs> fucking hell, man, just, just swear away. Okay, my first piece of negative in my world of football is Harry fucking Kuehl. He is the <laughs> highest order of scumbag. I absolutely hate him. I, when he was played for Leeds, I absolutely loved him. He was, he was a superb, underrated Premier League winger. Scored some really good goals. He first um, entered my shit list when he signed for Liverpool, and not just because he signed for Liverpool. Fair enough, off you go. But he and his agent pocketed more money than Leeds did from that transfer. And this is at a time when we were a uh, hundred million in debt. And obviously, it wouldn't have made a big difference. We would have just scratched the surface, but any money we could have got would have helped a little bit. He pocketed up to about £4 million on that transfer between him and his agent, and Leeds got £3 million out of it. I mean, when he had, We had offers on the table from, from Barcelona at the time, Man United and Arsenal, but he said he didn't want to sign for them and he only wanted to go to Liverpool, which is an odd move when Barcelona won you, but still. I mean, that's that's the first part of the Harry Kuehl story, and you're a Liverpool fan, you must not like him as well. No, he's not my favourite. He never was, in all honesty. I wasn't. I was a bit disappointed when when we signed him. I was probably one of the very few that were actually disappointed we signed him. But I'm enjoying this. Um, come on, I'm feeding off this. Is, is there more to it, please? There is more to it. Not only he went to Liverpool, fair enough, and then he well, he cried off a Champions League final and then seen dancing after the game. I think um, Dave mentioned that in our chat during the week. But after he left Liverpool, didn't he sign for Galatasaray? Ooh, um, in all honesty. I can't even remember where he went because I didn't really care by that point. I was just glad. I was just glad to get him out of the treatment room. Yeah, he 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 went to Galatasaray next, and Leeds and Galatasaray have a slight rivalry. We played each other in the UEFA Cup, I think, about two thousand one, two thousand two, maybe. Uh, two Leeds fans were stamped and killed outside the ground, and Kuehl, when he he was asked about that when he played for Liverpool, he said uh, when he played for Galatasaray, he said that Leeds fans should really just get over that now. That's I didn't know that. Yeah, Jesus, that's that's just like a really horrible thing to say. That people <laughs> went to football and died. You don't go to football for that. Oh, 
Oh, he's stupid you know. as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so apart yeah. from being a pussy, he's an insensitive <laughs> bastard as well. Yeah, exactly. He's just an all-round arsehole. And I think he's now in management somewhere in England as well, but not very successfully, hopefully. Yeah, and he married someone off Emmerdale. <laughs> he did, yes. Just to tick all the boxes. <laughs> so, yeah, all-round, just an absolute arse. And to go from being one of the standout players in Leeds' Champions League run to just flipping it on his head and making the entire Leeds fan base hate you, it's it's quite a thing to achieve, that. Yeah, it's one of his few achievements in his career, I must admit. <laughs> I, uh, I, I always thought he was he was like terribly inconsistent. You know, he would be magical one week and then be anonymous the next. Yeah, I remember watching him in that in that Leeds team before Liverpool signed him and thought at times I thought you know there there's a really good player and then other times you're just like where's he gone? He's missing. Yeah. Is he even playing today? So I was like, oh, no, and, and he was hailed as obviously the next Messiah, mm-hmm. and he was going to be great, and he was going to be this, and he was going to be that, and hey-ho, surprise, surprise. Um, <laughs> yeah, he, he wasn't. <laughs> he, was, he was mostly injured. Yep. I mean, in 2000, we turned down £25 million for him from Inter, and then he ends up leaving for £3 million, basically, to Liverpool. Yeah. That's a kick in the balls. Because he also said, if you didn't sign for Liverpool, I'm just going to leave on a Bosman and you're not going to get anything for me. So, yeah. So, he's a, he's a man of scruples. <laughs> yeah. Do <laughs> you have any thoughts on, uh, on, on Harry Kuehl? Hmm. Any thoughts on a player who has the world at his feet, at a big club, interested in money? Hmm. Yeah, that's a wanker. Nobody springs to mind at the moment, but keep tabs on me. Trust me. You'll understand where I'm coming from. But now, as Ross rightly said there, I remember that late size because they had a fairly decent Irish contingency in it as well, didn't they? Yeah. They were actually a really, really nice team to watch under David O'Leary. Davy O'Leary, wasn't it? Yeah, I love that team. Yeah, I can remember Kiel being, you know, revered, obviously, after what he'd done afterwards. I, I never followed him at all. I just found it hilarious. I remember actually sitting in um, a bar in Dublin City for the Champions League final. Yeah. And against Milan. And did he was killed to start? Was he? I think he did start, didn't he? And he, but he was did, taken yes. off. Oh, he got injured on. That's right, he got injured. Yeah, he lasted about half an hour or twenty-five minutes, something like that. And I just remember the lads, Liverpool fans around me, mates of mine, just going, "What's this twat fucking? How is he starting?" And just. <laughs> and then when he comes off, and that was you mentioned in the crying thing, and it's just gone. Yeah, so. It's a good negative to start on, but it's not it hasn't really fired me up, so I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for I'm waiting for the next ones. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, before we go back into our uh, fascination for uh, all things miserable and uh, evil, and so we, we, there's nothing better we like than slagging someone off. <laughs> Let's be honest about it. Um, uh, Paul Merson is usually our favourite target. Paul Merson or Michael Owen, we, we particularly like having to go at them too. <laughs> Just because it's so easy, it's like shooting fish in a barrel, but yeah. there you go. Let's let's have another positive then, another one from your list of positives, Ross. Okay, this is probably a strange one from a Leeds fan's perspective, but the 2005-2006 UEFA Cup, and specifically two or three games, Middlesbrough are in that competition, I don't know if you remember. They got to the quarterfinals, they played FC Baal, um, they lost the first leg 2-0, two, two and then went 1-0 down at the start of the second leg, and then somehow won that game 4-3. They then got to the semi-finals, obviously, that's what happens, qualification. They played Stoyer Bucharest, they lost the first leg 1-0. They were 2-0 down in the second leg, 
and then somehow won that game 4-3 with two goals in the last minute. They didn't get more ma- Exactly, yes, Massimo Macaroni. <laughs> they didn't get they got to the final and they lost 4-0 to Sevilla. They got absolutely destroyed. But still, those two games I remember watching those, and I'm not a Middlesbrough fan, I didn't particularly care for them. They had Mark Viduka playing, who we'll get on to later, and who featured on my uh, pieces of me team. It was just like magical football. Like two, coming down from three 0 down twice in quarterfinals and semi finals. It was just really strange. And the fact they knocked out um, Roma as well, in my who are my Italian team in the round of sixteen. Something about that run was really, really special until they met Sevilla, who are just the uh, Europe's second second trophy champions, aren't they, all the time, basically? Yeah, they're, they're, they just have a way about them, don't they? They've always been a good, smart club. Yeah, I, I do remember. I mean, I live in the area, so I remember that one quite well. Yeah, it, was, it was just mad, the whole, the whole run. It was kind of mad. Yeah. And to think about it now, you know, a small club and a small town getting past all these teams and somehow, and it was like, like you say, you know, you're back from the dead. Each time you look and you'd expect that's it, you know, you've got no real European pedigree. You'd yeah. expect that's it. Now, you, you've you, you've had your moments. Now you're going to, now you're just going to get seen off professionally, as yeah. you say, by one of, uh, you know, one of these teams who, who have been there, seen it and done it. That UEFA Cup was an odd one because England's representatives were Middlesbrough, Bolton. Very odd competition that year. I'm not sure how Bolton managed to get into that tournament, but... Yeah, I mean, knocking out Roma, FC Bale and Slovo Bucharest on the way to a final, that's a, that's an incredible run. And that Middlesbrough team wasn't great. That was a struggling Premier League team. But like you say, Macaroni up front. I think they signed Alfonso Alves as well. They had Mark Viduca. It's a very, I think it was managed by Gareth Southgate. Just a really... Uh, it was um, Steve McLaren. Oh, I think McLaren. that was... Yeah, I think that, that final was his last game as a manager before he became um, the England manager. Oh, yeah, Steve England. McLaren. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, there's just something about that that that, that era because obviously the the oh five oh six season Leeds got relegated from the, the uh, championship, so it was like it was a it was a highlight in the the world of football for me that that tournament. Go on then, Gav, I'll let you jump in. <laughs> yeah, that was a cracking tournament. We had um, Sarasaleo to Sevilla, who were an absolute fantastic team at the time. Very unlucky not to have actually won La Liga in and around that time. Mm. But players like Danny Alves was playing for them, Adriano. He had Jesus Navas, some real special, special sides. Um, I didn't actually follow much of Middlesbrough, but I can I can remember um, them actually gone quite far in it. But thinking back, when you mention names like you know Stoya Bucharest, it's even though it's what we know, it's nearly <clears throat> a little over ten years ago. Those clubs now, with the way the financial might of certain leagues and teams, you, you, you're not going to see that anymore. No. Stoy Bucharest getting to a semi-final. I mean, a legendary football club winning Stonebury, yeah. Middlesbrough. You know, it's it, it's 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 a real sign of the times when you when you kind of think back about it. But yeah, for me, that Sevilla side was cracking, absolutely outstanding. They had um, one day Ramos as that manager who went on to win two UEFA cups in a row before Spurs took him over. I think. Yeah, he won a league cup for Spurs as well before they started yeah. fighting. He had a spectacular run in the league with Spurs, though, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, but see, that, that's that's a real Paul Merson moment, though, isn't it, Andy? I mean, what's he now about the Premier League? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's on that fancy European Cup thing, but what is he now about the Premier League? <laughs> yeah, looking at you, Viduka and Hasselbank. Yeah. Middlesbrough. Wow, what a strike force. Two of my mm. league's heroes, those two. Yeah. Uh, didn't they have Ugo Heki or Gun Southgate in the defence back then as well? I think. Oh, yeah. Wow. You know, they had, I mean, Middlesbrough had a pretty solid team. That's yeah. what they had. They had a pretty solid team. They were they were 
tough to break down. And that was, I think that was probably, you know, the peak peak of McLaren's career back then. You know, he, he took Middlesbrough into sort of mid-table stability. Yeah, won, won the league cup with them. Career, you know, well, <laughs> yeah, that was the end of his career. But <laughs> yeah, he, he won won the league cup, the first trophy and the only trophy they've ever won in their history. Got them to the UEFA Cup final. You know, he was the guy who was on a high. Jesus, uh, is it a thing, Andy? Short that, time. If an English manager gets a, a, a team into the final of a UEFA Cup, because Roy Hodgson done it as well with Fulham, <laughs> Did, and he just handed the England manager a job. <laughs> Basically, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he must be good. <laughs> Unless he's a foreigner, then obviously, what does he know about the Premier League? Exactly. Mark Schwarzman, Michael Reisiger, Abel Javier, Boateng in the middle. Fabio Rockenbach. Yeah, Boateng. Mendieta. Jesus. Yakubu. They had so many strikers. No wonder they were winning games 4 3. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember Macaroni, just for the name. Yeah, Massimo Macaroni, the big bold head. Yeah. They, they were they were mad <laughs> they were, they were pretty mad games and it was it, it's it's that kind of thing isn't it it's what you what you love mm. you know you love about football when teams come back from the dead you know and score like a winner in the last couple of minutes and the place just goes uh, goes mental and you know everything explodes it's, but they're the, they're the kind of things that you that, that really hooks you into football in, in the first place isn't it yeah exactly and at the, at the second leg of the ball game macaroni scored in the 90th minute and then Viduka scored in the 89th minute of the semi-final to put them through as well. Yeah, it was it was a good player for Middlesbrough. You know, good solid player. But mm. uh, any any other teams in that UEFA Cup then that we should uh, be looking back and thinking, wow, you know, because I, I I remember the UEFA Cup always used to be a really good competition. At times, it could be harder to win than the Champions League. Oh, you know, still, before they it still is the Champions- today, I think. Andy, yeah, but I, I think. Before they opened the Champions League up to you know the, the top sort of seven or eight teams in the league, it was you know it used to be obviously just the champions or the champions and then you know second place you know and it was so it was so tough and there was and with it being just straight knockout all the time, there was something about the the UEFA Cup that was kind of fun to watch almost you know like a, almost like a European version of the FA Cup where it was everything was on these two games rather than oh well you know it's just part of a league format if you lose it doesn't really matter. But they, they had back then, they had uh, groups of five and you only played each other once. Yeah, it was very weird. I, I much preferred it when it was the straight knockout competition. The whole, I never really got on board with the group stage thing, but it, looking back at that 2005 one, it's the era of teams like Sampdoria and Palermo and Schalke who really aren't making much sort of impression on European football now. Mm. But fond memories. Oh yeah, definitely. It was just a really weird time because my, my club were doing terribly, but this Middlesbrough unfancy team were just smashing it up in Europe. So come on then, let's let's get back into some negativity. Come on, uh, feed, feed, feed the beast. <laughs> uh, Leeds United's 2004-2005 season. Our first season in the Championship. Um, after finishing 19th the season before. It's, it's mainly the squad list and the players that we signed during that season. I'll run you through some of the names. Michael Ricketts, Julian Jarachim, uh, Kevin Pressman, Steve Guppy, Danny Cadamatri, Clark Carlisle. Some of our standout performers that season. We'd, we'd gone from the likes of Harry Kiel, Mark Viduka, Alan Smith to to this, and it was a very short, very massive shock. We sold Smith, we sold Viduka, we sold Kiel, we sold Robinson, we sold Milner, we sold Ian, Ian Hart left, Stephen McPhail left, Danny Mills left, David Batty retired, that was heartbreaking. It, it was just such a strange season. The players were coming and going every week. I think we had about 12 or 13 players that we signed in the summer, left during the season. 
every week you wouldn't know who was going to be in your lineup. There'd be just random loan signings coming in all the time and people were leaving all the time because we just couldn't afford to keep them. We were, we were still paying Danny Mills to go and play for Man City. We were still playing Robbie Fowler to go and play for Man City. It was a really weird time to be a Leeds fan. Our, our top scorer that season was David Healy with seven league goals. Northern Ireland, David Healy. I, I was a massive David Healy fan. He was brilliant for Northern Ireland. I could never understand why he couldn't replicate that form for Leeds. I think it was mainly down to Kevin Blackwell and his useless management style of playing him as a left winger. But seven goals for a season as your championship, as your top scorer, is disappointing. We finished 14th comfortably in mid-table, but we got relegated the season after. Oh, we got to the playoffs the season after and then got relegated the season after that. But it's such a weird time as a Leeds fan. It's, it's quite nice to be, fingers crossed, stable as a football club now, some uh, 10, 12 years on. Yeah, and, and I mean, that relegation, that was, you know, it's not long as well, not long after he sold the likes of Rio Ferdinand mm-hmm. for like 30 odd million. He sold uh, Jonathan Woodgate to Newcastle. Oh, I broke my heart. You know, he, yeah, you think some of the players that were in that Leeds team in the early 2000s yeah. to go from them to players that would struggle to get into the reserve sides we managed of, to of any Premier League side. Paul Robinson and Scott Carson within three seasons and ended up with Neil Sullivan as our goalkeeper. The, the one uh, constant throughout all of this was Gary Kelly, the one club man, one of my favourite footballers ever. He played the full season in the Championship and then retired after it because he, he didn't deserve that. He deserved better than that. But I applaud him for sticking with us as well. It was just a superb thing to do. And to pick a season as your negative one that wasn't the season you actually got relegated, it's the season after you got relegated. Yeah. It's got to be pretty bad. Because <laughs> the relegation was inevitable. It 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 was coming. We, we staved it off for two seasons prior and it was going to happen we could only fight against it for so long that I'd kind of accepted it when we went down. I'm not one of these fans that's going to cry about us getting relegated. Some things that happened when we got relegated, like Smith moving to Man United, that was annoying, quite annoying. Yeah. But yeah, the season after was just like a really weird time because you, you had no idea who was going to be playing that week. And we won our first game, we beat Derby, 1-0, through Fraser Richardson, a proper Leeds Academy player. And I thought, hang on, maybe we could just come straight back up and everything's going to be fine. <laughs> it wasn't. We... Uh, we didn't win again for another month after that. And it was just a really weird team. Lots of proper football league players, like short, quite fat footballers. We <laughs> had like Sean Green. Not Thomas Brawlings, though. <laughs> no, but I mean, when you start in lineups with Julian Jarochim and Michael Ricketts as your strikers. Oh. He was, he was, cl- Michael Ricketts, I remember him playing for England. <laughs> I remember that game as well. <laughs> that was his only game. They <laughs> were like, Jesus Christ, this is the guy. <laughs> During that season, we, the fans basically petitioned for Gilfie Einarsson, who was a Icelandic midfielder, to be signed by the club. And he scored one goal and didn't really feature a lot that season. It was just such an odd, odd time. And of course, it's the start of the Ken Bates era as well, which led to 10 years of just fucking misery I was just going to say actually was was Peter Ridsdale still around at that time oh no he'd long disappeared he'd taken his bags of money and run off he we were I think we were owned or chairman by um, Dr Gerald Krasner who looked like a shady uh, comic villain and then he sold to Ken Bates it it's the dark side of football. It's Ken Bates and his shady deals and things. And we also sold Ellen Road that season, which we've only just bought back this year. We sold Thor Parch. We were just literally selling everything to get any sort of money through the door. We sold um, yeah. 
Paul Robinson for one and a half million pounds. James Milner for five million to Newcastle. Uh, mm. Scott Carson for a, a million to Liverpool. <laughs> oh Jesus! Yeah, he, he was a, he was a good up and coming keeper at the time as well. Yeah, until England ruined his career. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, see, I, I do recall now, yeah, Ken Bates taking over and him, him talking about, you know, well, look at Chelsea, look at Chelsea and how successful they are. And then you're like, well, hang on a minute. Chelsea are successful because they were bought by a Russian billionaire because yeah. you sold them because they were about to be liquidated. Exactly. They're on the verge of liquidation. He'd run them into the ground by building stupid bloody hotels on the side of Stamford Bridge. And he was he was starting to do that at Ellen Road before he's, he left as well. He, <laughs> I could go in, I could do a whole podcast on the Ken Bates era at Leeds. <laughs> Don't get me started. Come stay the night and, and watch us <laughs> slip further down the leagues. <laughs> Ellen Road is also almost like off just off the motorway on an industrial estate. That's not a place for a hotel. I mean, it's different at Stamford Bridge. That's fine. That's the middle of London. Posh. Not this. <laughs> he had a great business plan. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. Oh Jesus. <laughs> was was there anything throughout the, that season, though? You know, any you know, sort of two, three defining moments that you just like. Well, oh, that's it. It does not get any worse than this. <laughs> I mean, we've taken some absolute batterings from teams in the in the championship, and we've lost six and seven to Forest on Wednesday. This season was just. It was just loss after loss, 1-0, 2-0. We'd go weeks without scoring a goal. And when we did score a goal, it'd be from like Clark Carlisle or it'd be an own goal from someone. It was... There's nothing really that stands out in that season as memorable for anything good. It was just disaster after disaster. And Clark Carlisle in your team, that's... I mean, fair play to him. We gave Clark a, a chance after he... Because he had to go into... I think he went to rehab after he left QPR for alcohol, alcoholism. We gave him a chance to get oh, back right. into football and then his career progressed and obviously going to Burnley and moving on. But at the time, it was like, well, who's this guy? He's just come off the street, basically. So let me get, <laughs> yeah. get this right. You're giving an alcoholic a second lease in life by asking him to join Leeds. Yeah, at this time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There, there is no redeeming features about that season, apart from David Healy, because he always looked like he was trying. No one else really looked like they were trying too much. Uh, just what I can't understand is is how um, you know your star striker playing on the left wing doesn't score more goals. <laughs> and that's this star striker. I think was it in and around? <clears throat> excuse me. That time he'd broken or matched the record for most goals scored in the European Championship. Yeah, it was I think a, he... a couple of seasons afterwards, but it kind of showed us potential. He. Score! He, I think he scored in every single game against teams like Spain and all that. He yeah. he he matched the record. I'm, I'm almost certain he matched or broke a record for a while of being the most goals ever scored in a qualifying campaign for any team in Europe. Now it could be wrong, but I don't think I, I yeah. I'm that far off the mark. But kind of sums up Leeds. I think for me, this this the negativity part of it, isn't it, Andy? This is Ross's negative. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Jesus I don't think this is a positive man. one for him. No. <laughs> He keeps laughing, though. <laughs> because it's so funny. The, the yeah, past 15 years as a Leeds so fan bad. has been mental, basically. Yeah. Well, lad, you're, you're scoring goal after goal after international football. I reckon you could do a job for us on the left wing. Yeah, go down left wing. We're going to play Brian. Don't forget to cover your fullback. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? Brian Keane, the guy with the 50 pence head. Oh, God. I mean, I love Brian Keane. He was the first. Chip- scored the first goal in the Premier League he was a good player for Leeds yes. but 
I mean, he scored six for Leeds that season. He scored four of them in one game. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! So does like compared to Ken Bates is uh, was it was Chi? What's what's his name? Chiellini. Oh, that's no, that's no Chiellini. A legend. Was it? Yeah. <laughs> does he look like Does he look like a fantastic owner compared to Ken Bates? And does he? He to to be fair to Chiellini, not a lot of Leeds fans will say this. He actually he invested some money. I mean, we bought players like Chris Wood and uh, a couple of other players who spent money. Bates would just sell players and pocket the money and would never reinvest it. Fabian Delph for seven million when we were in League One. We never saw a penny of that reinvested in the squad. God, I'm just so happy now that we've got a man who seems like a professional in charge of our football club in uh, Andrea Radrazzini. Yeah, I guess it, it can't get much worse than, than back then. I suppose that's the positive side of it, isn't it? Like, once you've been so far down, you just can't get any lower than that. Well, I mean, two seasons later, we started in League One with minus 15 points because Ken Bates, Ken Bates knew the rules for putting teams into administration and he did it anyway. He put us into admin after we'd um, already been relegated that season. So taking the points hit wouldn't be a problem. The Football League weren't happy with that and gave us a 15-point deduction for the season after. <laughs> <laughs> just, I'll kick you in the balls. I'll just shake your hand as I leave. I'll kick you in the balls and poke you in the eye. Yeah. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's hard to look back on that with any sort of fond memories but it's hard to be just angry about it now because it's so it was not that long it was like 10 years 12 years ago but yeah. it's just funny <laughs> yeah, yeah well this is it we we feed off this you have to laugh at the negativity sometimes you just things like that you have to laugh otherwise you'll cry so. exactly yeah but it, I mean when it's when it's your own club and obviously you quite you care passionately about it it must be just such a, a difficult and traumatic thing to be going through at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, at yeah. the time it was just, just I didn't want to talk about football. Didn't want to. I'd check the results and that'd be it. I'd just try and switch off from it. But yeah, it was just awful. Yeah, I mean, we don't want to go too on. I mean, I don't want to be sending you into therapy after this or anything like. <laughs> I've only just got over it, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll we'll leave that one alone then. Back on to a positive. We'll we'll end on a positive. Now, I've mentioned Martin Rodrigo throughout this podcast and on other podcasts. The 2002-2003 season, we, uh, the, the decline was on. We were uh, we finished 15th that season. We were flirting with relegation for most of the year. And I think two or three games before the end of the season, we played Arsenal. And we needed a win, basically, to kind of make sure we would, we would stay up. We finished five points clear of relegation in the end. We were playing Arsenal. The Arsenal team that day had players such as Thierry Henry, Dennis Bergkamp, Robert Perez, Gilberto Silva. The list goes on. Our team featured players like Michael Dubry, Dominic Matteo, Jason Wilcox, Nick Barnby. Um, we went one up through Harry Kuehl scoring an absolute stunning goal, which pains me to this day to think about. Um, Henry levelled it up, obviously. Uh, Ian Hart scored a fantastic free kick, which he always did. Then Burkamp levelled it up once more, and then 88th minute, a ball is played out to Mark Viduka on the right wing, who turns Oleg Luzhny, probably the weak point in our Arsenal team, to be fair, cuts inside and plays the most spectacular chip into the far corner over David Seaman, and just nestles in the corner of that net. There's not many goals that I've witnessed that have left me close to tears, actually in tears, I'm not going to lie. It... It, it's it saved us and it's saved off the inevitable for one more year but it's just a moment of sheer joy in a season of just shit basically we had Peter Rizzo and uh, Peter Rizzo, Peter Reed as our manager there was again players coming and going every week we'd sold Rio and his 30 million had made a, a touch in the the debts we were mounting up but just one moment 
just made that entire season seem worth it of watching defeat after defeat after defeat. Yeah, it, I do recall that now. Is I was thinking back, I, I kind of remember the goal, but I was trying to think of the whole scenario of, of why it was so big, and it was, and it's like, oh yeah, you mentioned that. That was it, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It, it was effectively the win that saved, saved, you know, sort of secured you from the from the threat of uh, relegation. Yeah, it kept us up that season. We can go into the last games relatively comfortably, knowing that we were going to stay up. We did, in fact, we yeah. beat Villa on the last day because that, that was handy. Because um, yeah. just in just in case we needed it. But yeah, I mean, Viduka scored twenty goals that year in a almost relegation effort. It was it was an odd team. We had Nick Barnby in there. We had Fowler for a bit. Teddy Lukic, I remember him, big Swedish centre half. I remember John Lukic. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Was he was he wasn't related? Was he? <laughs> no. <laughs> but we'd we'd sold uh, Robbie Keane at the start of that season, and we sold Rio Ferdinand, and Bowyer had left, and Woodgate had left, and Fowler had left. So Viduka stayed till the end, and that goal is it's just a highlight of his Leeds career for me. There's, there's, there's other games, the Liverpool four three, where he scored all four and made hippie of his bitch for the day. That that was entertaining, but this Thanks goal, <laughs> but this goal on its own, it it was just incredible and. It, it kept us up, and it just meant so much in that in that in the context of that season. I mean, this was a good Arsenal team as well. I mean, this is the Arsenal team that the following season went completely unbeaten. You know, the, the complete season unbeaten, the Invincibles. Yeah, the only downside to us scoring that goal and us beating Arsenal was we handed the title to Man United, which is never a nice thing to do for a Leeds fan. But I mean, for that goal alone, it was worth it. Yeah, well, I, I guess if he handed them it in that game, then with a couple of games left, they probably would have sewn it up anyway. If yeah. that's any consolation to you, <laughs> yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> I know that. I know that bittersweet feeling. I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, what was it? It was a smashing goal, and th- that was the thing, was it? Viduka, you looked at him physically, and he, yeah, I know you kind, you kind of always thought he, if he lost, you know, like a stone, mm. he, he could have been a better player. He could yeah. have got around the pitch better. But he, he did have ability and he just he had this knack of being in the right place and scoring goals as well. Yeah, he, he, he knew where the net was and he would use his size to his advantage a lot of the time. He would bully defenders and he got a couple of red cards in his Leeds career, famously in the, our last ever game in Premier League. He got sent off um, against Bolton. But I mean, I included him in my, in my pieces in my team. Gav wasn't there for that one, but Ali was just... Locally. <laughs> I also had proper Ronaldo and Del Piero just to make up the three. But, I mean, that's a powerful front three. But he is—he's a, a special Leeds player for me, and it's not one that other people would immediately jump to. I don't think. Any any memories of that one, Gav? No. In order to keep him with how the flow of the pot is going, I'm going to pretend. <laughs> Do you know what, Ross? I agree with you. Absolutely yes. sensational, an amazing, an amazing game, amazing goal. What did that? <laughs> Don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's what. <laughs> no, it's not. I suppose when you when you see this, you're so used to listening to Liverpool fans and that fucking deludedness. That I suppose when you get a, gen, a genuine fan on, like a Leeds supporter, like I I know nothing about Leeds. I know little bits, obviously, but you know I don't know how big the club means to other people. I, I've heard people go, "Oh, Leeds are a big club," and I'm kind of looking, going, "You fuck off!" Would you? He's <laughs> languishing in the championship for the last twenty years, away. Yeah. But I don't know. Look, I do find it really interesting listening to what these type of players mean to, and these type of situations mean to certain people because I I can't fathom it at all because I'm spoilt. 
<laughs> well, yeah. It's, it's... No, but I am. I, I am spoiled. I, I've grown up in an era of absolute ridiculous dominance. That listening to these stories, whether they mean nothing to me, it's it's kind of it's kind of nice nice to hear the effects it has on people. Now, don't get me wrong. Your negative your negatives won't be that bad. Are you going to give us another negative? <laughs> no, sorry, I'm not. I'm, I, I, I'm a, I try to be a positive person, and Harry Kill is the depths of my negativity. I, I, I like Harry Kill as a negative. That's that's <laughs> a good one. I, I enjoy that. I mean, just yeah, it's uh, some of the uh, some of the points where you can rip apart his character. That's that's just fantastic. <laughs> it's the kind of thing we live for. <laughs> we, we just need him to be a, a pundit now, and then we can really rip the piss out of him. That's where it would be an amazing place to be if he ever gets on a pundit. Punishing you. You mentioned Alexi Lalas earlier in at the top of it with the USA 94. I don't know whether you've ever heard him and his punditry. Oh, sweet Jesus. <laughs> he's, he's, he's bad. No, you, he is bad. Well, do, you, do you remember Do you remember when uh, everyone first sort of caught sight of him and they compared him to the lead singer out of um, that that band in America that had one album, the, the Two Princes song? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, the Spin Doctors, yeah, at some point they must have done a switch, judging by <laughs> what he says. When he's talking about football, you're like, really? Have you ever seen the game? You seriously? Uh, iconic looking uh, player, maybe not the best pundit. No American, American is a good pundit. None of them. They have to import anyway. from Scotland, and they're just bad. <laughs> you leave Valley alone. <laughs> So, so that's your, so that's your last uh, positive, a good one to end us on. But before we head off, and we always ask the the guest for a piece of music. Uh, before we get to that, though, Ross, I'll let you um, hit out any uh, plugs you've got for your for your podcast, uh, where good folks can catch you. <laughs> okay, you can get me on uh, Twitter at RossBell1984, and you can find me as the host of the Man of the Post podcast on the World Football Index, obviously, the best football index to be part of. Yeah, we do uh, two shows a week. We preview the games and we review the games. And I'm also on about seven other podcasts, but just check out my Twitter handle for that all information. Excellent. And go on then, a piece of music that takes you back to one of these moments. I mean, what's your music and, and, and where does it take you back to and why? My music is not cool in any way. It's Simple Minds and Alive and Kicking. It takes me That's back. cool. That is cool. <laughs> it's cool for the older generation. If any kids are listening, they have no idea what we've been talking about. It takes me back to the Leeds United team of 91-92, the, the last ever English champions of the old first division, the year before the Premier League, ruined football forever. Uh, we won the title, four points clear of Man United, and I had the VHS tape of that that season. Remember you used to do those, the, the season review on videotape? Yeah, I've still got a few. Nice. I watched that thing to death, and they went in depth on the final game. This, the um, the second to last game of the season against Sheffield United, um, we beat them three two to wrap up the league, and they did a longer longer part of it. And the highlights of that game were just the music playing in the background was alive and kicking, simple minds. And every time I hear it, my brain just immediately flashes back to Lee Chapman and Rod, uh, Rod Wallace and Tony Dirigo and players like that. Gary Kelly still part Gary of the team. Then. Gary McAllister. McCaster, yeah, Speed, Strachan, Batty, that midfield was just yeah. supreme. And, and also, excellent course, team. Eric Cantona, who, uh, done a whack yeah, after excellent team. Really was a really, really, really good team. Cultured midfield. Yeah. Managed by ha- Howard Wilkinson. It yeah. was not quite so cultured. <laughs> no, but that, mid- but, no, but that midfield was, was superb. They, that was such a good team. Mm. Yeah, that midfield four behind, uh, Wallace and, uh, Chapman and strikers was brilliant. Isn't Howard Wilson was, the last Englishman to win uh, the English League? 
Yeah, it would be, wouldn't it? 90... Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I, can't, I can't think of any others, yeah. It must be, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the last Englishman the last Englishman to win the uh, the championship in England. Yeah. Howard Wilkinson. Oh, yeah, Ross, we're doing this, we're doing this new part at the, in a couple of weeks, the quiz, isn't it? Yeah. To see, 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 I've already won this. If I can, if I can throw shit like that out, I've already won it. <laughs> yeah, well, that's not in the plug, so yeah, there you go. The Simple Minds, Alive and Kicking, love that bit of music. And uh, yeah, I think it's got it's got its uh, links to football anyway. So great piece to, for us to head out on. So thanks, Ross, uh, for joining us. For the, I mean, Does he not sing the, it? Yeah. What? <laughs> Does he not sing it? That's normally Dave's job, so uh, take it away. Well, see, yeah. this is my first time, honest, so I'm, I'm kind of lost. It's not stars in your eyes. Belt it out. Come on. It's so not nice, stars. Nice. I'm going to be Jim Kerr. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Anyway, look, thanks for coming on, Ross. Uh, really enjoyed it, even if it was all about Leeds. Pleasure. <laughs> you join the uh, In My Life vault. Uh, big thanks to all of you guys out there listening and hitting that download button. But until next week, from Gav and myself, it's Bob Hanno.